You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. My name is Mark. I am a leader of a local ministry here in Fort Myers called Ride Nature. And we do outreach with kids all around the world using surfing and skateboarding as a way to share the gospel. And we have called FMCC our home for the last four or five years now, maybe a little longer. And um, we're honored to be a part of this church and thankful that you're here. And we have been gone a lot this summer. We were actually in Nicaragua and in Costa Rica for almost five weeks for all of May and part of June. And we missed... uh, yeah, at that time of being here, and then I came back and was a week in Texas and leave again in another couple weeks, but we are honored to be here and thankful you are here as well. And the sermon series that we have been going through is called Walk in Love. And I can tell you, because I've had the opportunity to travel all around the world, that even if this is your first time here, even if this is your first time in Fort Myers, that this sermon series is for you, because this is for everybody, Um, no matter where you're at or where you're listening from, if you're watching online. To walk in love is something that God has called all of us to be a part of. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses. I'm going to recap the last couple of weeks, and then I'm going to pray for the service. So... um, Ephesians 5, if you guys have a Bible and you want to turn there, if you don't have a Bible, we have a bunch of Bibles sitting at the end of each row. And if you don't own a Bible, we want you to take these home. And one of the things I love about FMCC is that we actually bought real nice Bibles. (laughs) We have nice Bibles for people to take home. Sometimes they have like a little cheap paperback. These are like nice Bibles. So if you don't have a nice Bible, you can take home one of these Bibles. All Bibles are nice. They all have the exact same thing inside. But if uh, you're just falling apart or you need a new one. Um, so Ephesians 5.1 is where we come up with this phrase, walk in love. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is a big challenge to walk in love, to walk like Christ. And um, if we're not careful, it can start to feel like we're heaping up uh, a lot of weight on our shoulders to do this. Uh, two weeks ago, Tim talked about anger, and it was convicting for me. He separated human anger and righteous anger. He taught us that righteous anger, what it should look like, and that there's a time actually for God-centered righteous anger, but this time is very short. It's not something that we let dwell within us. It's, um, it's actually a danger to have ungodly anger that lasts for very long. We know that that's when we sin. And then last week, Ben, who I was a little disappointed, Ben had told me he was gonna bring in a whole bucket of rotten fruit for us just to kind of really smell what it's like to have corrupt talk. He talked about ripe or rotten speech and that we should put off corrupt talk and put on encouragement and that we are to build each other up in love. And today I have the privilege of, of once again talking about something that we're supposed to put off and then put on. And I'll be honest, this sermon, I think Bill told me or asked me to preach about it because this sermon was for me. Because what we're going to talk about putting off is one of the things that I think I struggle with the hardest. And it's to put off revenge and to put on forgiveness. And it's really easy for me to justify revenge, especially when someone has done something really, really bad to me or to a loved one or to even someone else. And so um, I have felt very convicted on this because it's uh, one of the passages that we'll read today is one of the hardest passages for me to read, which is talking about when, Jesus, or when God says, vengeance is mine. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. I hope that you guys will forgive me why my, my wife always tells me that I talk really fast. 
And I think it's because I'm just a passionate person. And um, so I'm going to ask that the Lord's going to slow me down and that you guys will be able to take away something good from this. So, Jesus, we, uh, God, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you so much for what you have done. We thank you so much for working in and through us. God, I thank you that, that you allow me to be up here and to share, and it's only because of your grace and mercy, Lord, that I was dead and I'm alive in Christ, Lord, and that you have saved me, and God, that you are still continuing to save me every single day, Lord, that, that is a process. I pray that you will speak in and through me. This morning as I was reading a devotional, Lord, I was talking about how you are like a ventriloquist and that we are like the ventriloquist dolls, Lord. So I pray that, that I will be able to, to speak, th- or you'll be able to speak through me, that the words that people hear will be coming straight from you and from your word. And Lord, we, uh, we pray that you will use this passage and use these passages, Lord, to touch our lives, to help us get a glimpse into your character and see who you are, how much you love us, Lord. Um, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to jump in, and I'm going to be in Ephesians a lot. We're going to jump around, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. You guys are going to have to turn quickly. But we're going to make a little bit of context. We're going to bring a little context to this passage because, again, I just want to emphasize this, is that we don't want to heap up burdens of things that we're telling you to do. And so Ephesians 1.1, right at the beginning of, of this letter that Paul writes, Paul says this, he says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. That he's writing this letter to Christians, right? You guys all agree with me in that? That this is not for people who are not following Christ. Paul wrote this letter to those in Ephesus and he says, hey, listen, if you are following Christ, if you have put your faith in him, if he has saved you, this letter is for you. If you don't know Christ, if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't even know who the Lord is. It's the first time I've ever walked into church. I don't have a relationship with God. Then these commands are not for you because you have not received something that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But my hope and prayer is that today will be the day that you do. It may be. Um, if we bounce back over to Ephesians 4, we have to make an assumption, and, and you guys know uh, the phrase that comes with assuming things. So, but we are going to make a little bit of an assumption in this, and this is in Ephesians 4.20. Paul writes, this is not the way you learn Christ, assuming, Paul's writing this letter assuming, and I'm assuming the same today, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. He's assuming that the people reading his letter have been taught in Christ and the truth is in Christ that you have put off your old self and your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires and is being renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. My hope and prayer is that if you're here today, you have put off and you are put on and you have put on new life because you have found hope in Jesus. And if you have not, again, the hope and prayer is that today might be the day that you do so if the Lord opens your eyes and your heart. But it is very easy, and I've felt this conviction coming in today to share that we don't want to create behavior alignment. That if, if you guys understand what I'm saying here, we work with kids a lot and we do Bible studies at skate parks here in this community. We do outreach with kids around the world and it's easy to create behavior alignment. We can start to tell kids, hey, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do this and we can come away from church and say, man, I can't do this and I can't have revenge and I can't talk bad and I can't do these things. But the reality is it doesn't mean anything. It means that uh, we're just trying hard 
We're holding on for dear life to act the best that we can, to be the best Christian that we can. But the reality is we're not a real believer. And so that's not the goal today. In fact, the goal today and my hope today is that we're going to look at one passage out of these three verses and that we're really going to collectively fully rest and lean and trust and depend on the work of the Holy Spirit and what he's done. And when we do that, I truly believe that all the things we're called to put off will just fall into place and all the things we're called to put on will just happen naturally. So we've got three parts, and the main passage of the scripture today that we're going to be talking about is in Ephesians 4, and it's 30, 31, and 32, three verses. And the first, and the first passage in Ephesians 30, um, what we're really going to focus on, and this is the, the passage that I really want to really look at, is our deep heart and gratitude for the helper that we've been given, is that we have a Holy Spirit who has sealed us, and who has saved us, and who is empowering us to walk in love. Second verse is the put off revenge. This is pretty clear. And the last one is the put on forgiveness. And so I'm going to read through these verses again. Thank you, Shannon. She's already read through them. But we'll read them one more time, and then we're going to break them down verse by verse. And so in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 30, this is what Paul writes. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Grieve not. You guys catch that? Grieve not. It's not a verse that you read a whole lot. Grieve not. If you look up the uh, definition for grieve, it means to be saddened, to make someone sad. And it's a powerful statement that Paul would write that we can sadden the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit can be saddened, that, that we have the ability to cause a feeling within the power of God. And the thought is, is that the Holy Spirit grief is a result of sin in our lives. That there's no other thing that would cause the Holy Spirit grief than sin. Um, and simultaneously, it is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's love for us. If you think about who you would cause grief to or who uh, grief would be most impactful to, I can't help but to think of family, the people you love the most. That, that for me to cause grief to my wife or to my kids, it was because they have a, a love for me and I have a love for them that extends beyond our relationship into the feeling that I have that I care for them. As a kid, my parents... Um, I caused a lot of grief <laughs> for, my, for my parents, but in my heart, I didn't really want to, but I did. I was kind of a rebellious kid. And then when I got into high school, I remember I tried really hard in school to get good grades because I wanted my parents to be proud of me, and I didn't want to cause them grief. And uh, it's because I love my parents. And I had this thought, and if you guys are taking notes, there's, a, there's some fill-in-the-blanks there that you guys are going to get quizzed on later. But um, it said, I, I had this thought that, that Almost always, grief is greatest when love is greater. That the greater the love, the deeper the grief. That for me to cause grief to somebody I barely know, to a stranger, it's like I can move on quickly. But when there's deep grief, it's because I love somebody so much. We don't put off sin. When we don't put off sin, it literally saddens and creates sorrow for the Holy Spirit. But this is the part that I want us not to miss, and this is the part that really, really encouraged me as I was preparing for this message. There's a quote by Charles Spurgeon, who's known as one of the greatest preachers of all time. He wrote this in 1859. Um, that was right before Tim was born, and I can say that because he wasn't here. But um, 
<laughs> oh, he's right there. Good, I didn't see you, man. I actually walked in today and I thought, man, I hope Tim's here. Tim's here so he'll pray for me before the message, and I didn't see him. So, uh, Tim, I love you, and uh, I really, really am grateful for you. But, but Charles Spurgeon, he says this. He says, and this is this is such a cool quote. He says, "There is something very touching in the admonition: grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. It does not say do not make him angry. A more delicate and tender term is used: grieve him not." For grief is a sweet combination of anger and of love. It is, uh, it is anger, but, not, but all the gale is taken from it. Love sweetens the anger and turns the edge uh, of it, not against the person, but against the force. You guys catching that? that? That God's love for us and his grief for us go hand in hand. And that we grieve the spirit by our sin. There's a thousand ways that we can grieve the spirit. But we grieve the spirit by our sin, but it's not a grief unto desertion. We don't grieve the spirit to where he'll leave us because as God's people, the spirit is our guarantee. We read this in scripture until Jesus returns. And our sin and his grief does not lead to a place of abandonment. God is saddened by the acts of our sin. The things that we do, the, it causes separation between us and him. It causes separation and division within the body but it does not lead to him abandoning us. Back one, one page in my Bible, back to Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. This is what he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. Again, for believers, you believe in him. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we inquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. There are countless things that we can do, I don't need to go through those. I can guarantee you when we start talking about bitterness and wrath and anger, you can just imagine it causing God sadness. But the thing that I want to really make sure that everyone leaves here today remembering is that because Jesus has died on the cross and saved us for everything that we have done or will do, that just like Paul writes in uh, Romans 5.20, where sin increases, grace abounds, that the Holy Spirit is someone that's going to lead us and guide us and walk with us and lead us and convict us no matter how many times we fail to put off. That as I think about the things that we're, we've been talking about and the idea of putting off revenge, I fail to put off revenge a lot. In fact, the other day, I didn't even know this. I don't know if you guys knew this. And if you did, I'm a little disappointed you didn't tell me. But Fort Myers has a roller rink. <laughs> Yeah, we have a roller skating rink right here in Fort Myers. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. I love roller rinks. And uh, we found this out last week. And we take our girls because not only does it have a roller rink, but if you're 10 and under, you can roller skate for free. And so we were like, man, I was like, I'm a little too old to be in for free. But um, we took our kids and our kids were in there. And there's like, they don't, I don't know if they've ever really roller skated by themselves at a roller rink. But, but we went on a Saturday and go figure because it's 10 and under, we're free. There was like 1,000 people in the roller rink. So it was super packed. And um, we're in this roller skating rink, and I've got a, a one, five, and seven-year-old, and our, our one-year-old's running all over, so we're watching her. Our five- and seven-year-old are out there literally about to die the entire time because they've got these little walkers, and they're skating. Well, they started to build up um, a little courage, and then Nolly got rid of her walker thing, I don't, like the little scooter, and um, she's just roller skating all by herself. And so Ellis, who's seven, is a little more timid, and she says, hey, will you help me? Will you hold my hand? So I'm walking with her. I'm actually, I don't know why I'm not roller skating. I should have. I'm too cheap. I didn't want to pay to skate. So, um, but I'm walking with her, and I'm helping her. And I look over at Nolly, who's right next to me, and there's this man who's like 300 pounds, 
and he's just cruising, and he's doing this, and he just wipes into Nolly full speed. Like, I'm talking like book, and it hits her. He flies over top of her. She slams on the ground, and immediately I'm like, what the heck, dude? I, like, throw my hands at him, and I grab my daughter. I'm like, come on, man, and immediately I'm mad. I'm angry. I was like, why'd you do it? And he's just like, oh, dude, I'm sorry I wasn't looking. And I was like, yeah. I was like, in my, in my mind, I was like, yeah, dude, I know you weren't looking. And I was mad. Like, I was angry. There was frustration. And, and to be honest, I could justify it. I'm like, dude, you're like a grown man. Why are you even out here right now? Like, you should be walking like me. And um, I was a little jealous already that he was getting a roller skate. And, um, and I was mad. And in my, in my righteous anger, which I thought was righteous, which definitely wasn't, um, it was easy for me to be like, dude, I'm about to get revenge. You know, like, I'm going to knock you over. And I wouldn't have. He probably would have beat me up. He's way bigger than me. But um, Paul writes in 31, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. You look up these words, bitterness, this means anger, disappointment at being treated unfairly. Wrath means extreme anger. That's kind of how I felt at the roller rink, extremely angry. Anger, again, just like a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, hostility. Clamor, I was doing this. It says a loud and confused noise, <laughs> especially that of people shouting violently. I don't know if I was that extreme, but I was definitely feel there's some clamor. Um, the action of crime of making a false, oh, sorry, slander is the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. Malice, this is the intention or desire to do evil or ill will. I was feeling a little malice. And um, Paul writes pretty much the same challenge, which I think is so amazing, is that we see this total consistency in Scripture, that when Paul writes one thing to one person, generally it's in the same part passage or the same letters that he writes to other people. And in Colossians 3, to the people in class, uh, to the Colossians, he writes in 3.8, he says, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Same things. Same, put them away. And last week, Ben, he talked about rotten fruit. You know, this would be mean things that we say to people. And I feel like revenge is the root of the fruit. That's kind of what I was thinking. And I was thinking about that because it's like, why would we not put off revenge? Why would we in our own strength say, man, I want to get revenge? You know, and I think if we're honest with each other, it's that sometimes people get what they deserve or we want them to get what they deserve. Uh, that guy, I want him to get hit on roller skates. I want him to get run into. Uh, I wanted to get even. I want to give people what they gave us. Um, if someone hurts us, we want them to be hurt, you know? And I think the deeper the affliction, the deeper we desire for them to receive that, that, that revenge. But the real question is, what do we all deserve? You know, what do we deserve? You know, we're like, oh, we want them to get what we deserve. And I'm like, man, like, what do I deserve? You know, Romans 3.23, you know, and I love it that we talk about this, um, or we, we talked about the verse we're going to read in a second, but we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. If you're in this room, you've fallen short, you've sinned, you've fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That if we got what we deserve, if God was just and his justice stopped, that we've all earned death. Like that's the wages that we receive. It's the wages that we get. But just like Bill read as the call to worship, but God that his justice didn't just end. In his love, 
being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace, we have been saved. That we all deserve death, but God in his love and his mercy, he said, man, I'm going to give you life. And yet we think, I don't want someone else to have it. I want them to get what they deserve. Um, it is impossible for us to put off revenge because of any other thing other than the fact the Holy Spirit is living within us. That without the Holy Spirit, there'd be no other way we could put off. Because I can promise you this, that, that revenge would trump all things in the midst of someone uh, hurting you or hurting someone you love. But if you're here today and you're putting on anything new, it is only because in Christ and through Christ and for Christ, he has allowed us to. Um, in Romans eleven thirty six, Paul writes, from him and through him and to him are all things. It's all been about Jesus. It's always for Jesus. It's always in Jesus. That when we fail to put off revenge, it's literally us saying to God, I trust myself more than you. I trust me and my own strength. I can get that person back better. I can hold forget, or I can harbor or unhold forgiveness for this person. I can keep it back. I will take care of things in my own strength rather than letting God take care of things in his. And so Romans 12, 19, this is the passage of scripture that I imagine in my mind if something were ever be bad done bad to my kids, to my wife, I'm like, Lord, why does this passage have to be in the Bible? Because it's hard. It's not easy, but it's the truth. And it's one that at the bottom of each person's little notes today, it's like one for us to reflect on. And this is what Paul writes in Romans 12, 19. He says, Beloved, neither avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That, man, we can justify revenge all day long. We can, we can make it seem right in our, in our head. We can justify it. Um, but God has told us that we have to put off revenge we have to rest in the fact that he is in control, he is sovereign, he is just, and that in his justice that he will repay, says the Lord. Verse 32, last section, third section. So, so far we've got rest in the work of the Spirit, that he's not going to desert us, that no matter how much we sin, no matter how much we fail to put off, that the Holy Spirit will still walk with us because he loves us, that sin does separate us, it does cause God grief, that we should put off, this last one may even be the hardest, to put on forgiveness. I don't know about you guys, but forgiveness for me is a process. You know, you hear the phrase, forgive and forget. It's a lot easier said than done, right? To just forget what somebody's done, to not allow those feelings of wanting to get even to continue to creep in. In Colossians 3.10, again, Paul writes, he says, uh, put on the new self, which is being renewed and knowledge after the image of the creator. That when we put on the new self, it's a process. It's a process of sanctification that every day we're being made more like Christ, that every day we're learning what it means to be put on, to put on the new self. Romans 12, 2, he says, do not be conformed. Paul again says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That we have to have our mind transformed. It's a process that has to continue to happen day by day. And then 1 Peter 1, 13, it says, therefore, preparing your minds for action that we have to act to put on forgiveness. 
preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That God has promised us in Scripture that the process of forgiveness, the process of walking in love, living in it day-to-day, is one that we will continue to walk in until Christ returns. That every day we are being sanctified. We will never be perfect until Christ returns, but every day we're growing closer to him. And we think about Jesus as I look at Jesus and I think about the idea of putting off revenge and putting on forgiveness. I can't help but think of Judas, someone that Jesus walks with for three years. He literally does life with him. The night before Jesus, or the night before Judas betrays Jesus, what does Jesus do? Jesus washes his feet. Washes the feet, knowing, even telling the disciples, this is the one who's going to betray me, but yet he washes his feet. And the last breath, Jesus been beaten, spit on, cursed at, hung on a cross, crucified. The last thing he says, Father, forgive them. I'm like, wow, like how? How do you do that? How do we do that? It's through the work of the Spirit. It's through the work of the power of the helper that lives within us. Matthew 5, if you guys want to turn there, this is 10 verses, so it's a little longer. Matthew 5, 38 through 48. This is Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. He says, you have heard, Matthew 5, 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth. Amen. That's how I wish it was. Thankfully, it isn't. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you, take your tunic and let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is exactly how most people in our world live. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same thing. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Impossible. (laughs) Peter comes in Matthew 18, just a few chapters on. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I can only imagine Peter's frustration. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? He's probably thinking, Jesus like, yeah, yeah, up to seven. Jesus answers, I tell him, not seven times, but 77 times. It's not even about the number. It's about forever. He goes on to say, Jesus says, so watch yourself if your brother or sister, this is in Luke 17. He says, watch yourself if your brother or sister sins against you. Rebuke, uh, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Forgiveness is not an option, you know, Forgiveness is something that God has called us to do. And living in obedience, to put off and to put on, is pretty simple. To forgive people, to hold back revenge, to put it off. But it may not be easy. It's the very reason why God says, in your own strength, you will never be perfect. Be perfect as I am perfect, this thing that Jesus says in Matthew 5. And he says, I'm going to send you a helper who can help you live it out.
because he knows that we cannot do it alone. We'll be given this helper who has sealed us, who will never leave us, who if you put your faith in Christ, you receive the ultimate gift, this help that's going to help you live out the commands of Christ. We might be able to hold our life together for a season, but it's not going to last forever. But yet the greater we understand the grace that we've received, the easier it is for us to extend to others. One of the things that I heard Bill say when we first started coming to church that I love and I share it all the time is that we naturally extend to others the things that we enjoy, but we only enjoy the things that we experience. That when we have experienced grace and mercy and we know it, it makes it so easy for us to extend it to others. Not because they deserve it, they don't, but because we've received it and they know that they deserve it as well. When I take time to ponder the goodness of God, and the mercy that we've received, and the fact that we're actually able to extend it to others. I think about two passages of scripture where God talks about the mercy and his forgiveness to us. In Hebrews 8, 12, it says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. You talk about the ultimate forgive and forget. That God says, I will, in my ultimate infinite sovereignty, I will choose to remember your sins no more. In Psalms 103.12, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. There's a warning. And um, the, the band, if you guys want to come back up, you can, you can kind of start to come up. There's a warning here that the stakes are high if you choose not to put off and put on. And it's not your salvation. It's not that the Spirit's going to desert you. It's that if you fail to grow in grace and you're unable to forgive, you're charting a path to pain and heartache, not for the person that you harbor it against, but for yourself. That unforgiveness and revenge is like a poison inside of you that will eat you away. Not to a point that it causes the Holy Spirit to leave you, but to a point of grief that will cause him to be sad, but to a grief that you will live in, in total heartache for the rest of your life. That when we walk in love, it's only because Christ has loved us and set us free. And the commands that he gives us to put off forgiveness, to put away slander and bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, and to put on love is only because Christ loved us. And when that truth fully sets in, when the Holy Spirit abides, we have no other option but to put off revenge and to put on forgiveness and to walk in love. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you so much for the fact that you have given us the strength. You have given us the ability to put off. Not in our own strength, Lord, not by white knuckling and holding on and squeezing our fists. Lord, that it's not through our strength that we can put off anything, Lord, but it's the fact that we have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you through the consistencies of Scripture. You say the same thing over and over and over. And God, that there's no discrepancy in Scripture that we read and we're like, well, we're not sure what that means, Lord, that we know that through the power of your Son that we have hope and that we have the Helper, that your Spirit lives and works and abides within us to help us live out these commands. Lord, I thank you that you loved us so much that if there's people in this room right now who don't know your love, God, that it's only because that you knew the wages for us were death, that you took the punishment that we all deserved, that we deserve to die, 
and yet you died on our place, but that you didn't stay in the grave, that you were crucified and nailed, beaten, spit on, but killed, buried, put in a grave, Lord, and three days later that you rose again and that you've shared with us this helper, this Holy Spirit, your spirit, Lord, that's living and working and living within us, Lord. I pray for our church that we will be a church that does put off so that we don't have division, Lord. God, I pray that their church will be unified. Lord, I pray that people, when they walk in here, will see a group of people that love each other so greatly that they will know that we are your followers and that we are disciples because of our love for one another. Lord, I pray that people will be drawn to you. I pray, Lord, that you will open the eyes and hearts of every person that hears this message, God, that knows that, man, I have revenge. I have the desire to get revenge, Lord. Yet I know and I trust and I believe that vengeance is yours and that I'll trust in you and I'll trust in your justice, Lord. God, I pray that we will know you so intimately. We will know and experience your grace. Lord, that when the time comes, when it's hard, that we don't want to put on forgiveness, that we justify it, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will help us to remember the mercy, the grace that we've received, that we, we are entitled. We deserve nothing. We deserve nothing, Lord, but yet you have given us everything. So I pray that it'll make it all the easier for us to extend to others and share with others. Lord, I pray that you will help us leave here today to be a light into this community, a light to the people in our neighborhood, mm. to where we live, to where we work, to where we play, wherever it is that you call us to go, Lord. I pray that you will allow us to open our mouths and speak of the goodness that we have. Lord, I pray that lives will be changed and that you'll get the glory in all things. It's all in you and through you and for you. And it's in your mighty name that we pray.